When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal, Ellie Nick, Joe from Louisville, Melanie from Louisville, Andy Rambrard, Cassie Schrader. Everybody's here. Except, of course, Catherine. Oh, really? I have to give up my seat? Gee, that's too bad. <laughs> Where is Catherine? No, I would. She's sitting at home smiling. She wants. My studio was full. And I called her just now and she did not answer. It's like, oh, God. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, and working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. What is he schmoozing about? We usually do those commercials live on Wednesday. Oh, right. Well, we can do another <laughs> one. No, I'm sorry. We no, got two we, more hours. Hang in there, Andy. We, could we do all it forgot. No, I get the signal. I get the message. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. There you go. Well, to my credit, I just finished a round of antibiotics for my tooth, and I'm feeling out of it. I had five shots of tequila, and I figured out when I was supposed <laughs> to talk. I did not. No, you did not. Day drinking? I'll tell you, since I met Doug and got familiar with Walzer, I can't help but every single time I stop at a red light, I look at cars you know, in front of me, and every one, yeah. like literally eight out of ten, have a Walzer plate on it. You did know you what's crazy? Say, did you hear me say from Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com, Doug Sprinthal, and L.A. Nick? <laughs> it's okay. I don't remember saying that. I'm just saying they must be doing something right. It's 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 helped me, actually. as I've, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but I used to suffer from road rage. Mm. And so a lot of times I'd find not myself eight. getting pissed off, and I'd look at the plate frame and go, well, Damn it, it's one of our customers. That would look really, really bad. That's not good, man. I have a question about cars, actually. Sir, go ahead. 
the license plate that I got when I got my car, the back frame was fine, but then the the mount for the front doesn't fit at all. Huh? Do you do you need like an adapter or something? I just, next time you need an oil change, just tell them to change the plate frame. Okay. It won't cost you anything. That's. I like it. I was thinking of just getting me. some wood. The problem. The problem is a lot of states <laughs> don't. Well, you. I, I know what the problem is, but a lot of states don't require front license plates, so car makers don't right. make it. Hey, let's. We have an expert here in the field. Yeah, Joe from Louisville. Yeah, Joe from Louisville. What's What's wrong it, with you? It's people? not a Ford, though. It's Jeep. But well, Ford that's the problem. Ford suffers from the same <laughs> issue. We don't. Uh, yeah, we don't have to have a front plate on the cars in no, Kentucky. No, states don't. Do we? Uh, yeah, yeah, Minnesota here we does. Yeah. yeah, you know the state of Minnesota just cracked down on all these license plates, these these uh, special license plates that people were putting sub, subliminal, you know, actuated oh, yeah. messages on. Oh yeah. And uh, well, how would they know if they were subliminal? Well, well they're putting like initials, <laughs> and they're figuring the state oh, went see. like hired Talk somebody, and spent millions of dollars, and g- pulled them all back. You mean someone who Googled them? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so now, but somebody just tried to get one, and they got it. I know yeah. somebody who just applied for one and they got it. And what was this naughty thing that they decided to put on the back of their car? Uh, I forget what it was. It was uh, something 69, but they got it. Well, hmm. yeah. Of My course. favorite, that's, of course. That's a pretty obvious one. Yeah. My favorite was the lead singer from Duran Duran came in and he said, this is like 30 years ago. He came in and he said, oh my God, this country. I said, what's the matter? I just saw a license plate in a car outside that says Pen 15. So in other words, it says penis. Oh, it it's, it's, I'm slow and I'm slightly dyslexic, and I'm like, what the heck? I don't get that. Yeah, I have I have a vanity plate too. Mine says beyond. The dark. Oh, okay, well, yeah, that. Well, that because sense, Dave yeah. says darkness, so mine says oh. beyond. Yeah. Then, then I should get the. Yeah, you should. <laughs> the the, the is taken. I'm the? guessing the is taken. Do you want to talk about uh, my walls are Ford, my walls are uh, Actually, Toyota, I want to ask Joe some questions Jaguar. about the car business. Um, Ford, as It's going to be the only 15-minute commercial in no, the history. This isn't right? a commercial. This is interesting. So some car people talk. It's going to count as a commercial. <laughs> we don't have a Ford store, so it really would be the probably the worst commercial that we ever did. Oh, okay. So Ford announced about a month and a half ago that they're going to stop building passenger cars other than the Mustang and the Focus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about that? Uh, some people are divided. Um, me personally, um, I'm down in Louisville because they decided to quit making the Ranger. Yeah, and now they're bringing the Ranger now they're back. Bringing next the Ranger year. back which so go stupid. figure. Yeah. Um, but I was talking to my father about this last night, and I went up to Cub to get some chicken for dinner, and I was sitting at the stoplight. And of the 13, 14 cars sitting there, like eight or nine of them were SUVs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And everywhere you look is SUVs. That's right. It is true. Everybody wants an SUV. So, you know, it, it, I guess, you know, I, I looked up on the website of the place where I bought my car, and you can get uh, you can get an Escape for anywhere between twenty to $30,000. Yeah. There's like 140 of them listed on that site. It's like, okay, well... I guess people are wanting escapes. Everybody wants an SUV. But that's not so across here's, here's, that's not across the I, whole local line, right? So just let's be quiet for me. <laughs> I like a personal attack. So here's LA. what I remember from uh, 2008. Summer 2008, for those of you who weren't paying attention, gas went from like a buck 75 to $4 a gallon mm, yep. overnight within right. three weeks or so. And then everyone sold Everybody their SUVs. freaked out. Everybody that had SUVs raced into the Toyota store and yep. traded them on Priuses and Corollas. Uh, four months later, gas came back down to two bucks a gallon. Guess what they did? Mm. We don't like driving these little S boxes, and they it, they spent twenty thousand dollars to save a couple hundred bucks on gas. It was just. It's like, and how I, much I, do I you wonder drive? if that's going to happen. If Ford's going to lose market share if gas spikes up again, because I, I, th- I don't know. No, but that's because... not. It's not across the whole Fomoco line, though, right? Just Ford. Just it's Ford. Not... But that is the whole line. Well, we yeah. got Lincoln Mercury. You got... Yeah, Lincoln Mercury's hanging on by their well, still got fingernails. Them. But you got to remember, the reason we're shut down for six weeks is we're retooling for the 2020 Escape, which yeah. is going to be a hybrid. Yeah, that's mm. true. That's true. So it wouldn't matter if if the gases went up or down. Okay, last question for you. Do you think that uh, General Motors ripped off Ford on the design of the new Blazer? 
Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It looks it looks like a cross between uh, an Explorer and a Mazda CX-9, which Ford used to own. Right. Yeah, it's cool looking, but you'll well, see. Well, Jeep kind of ripped off Range Rover. I mean, they look yeah, they look true. a lot like them. Yeah, they do. A lot. That's true. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. <laughs> supposed to do that at the end of the hour. Oh, that's right. I'll do it. I'll do it in 15 minutes. That'll be good. Well, it did finally happen. A couple of days after his son had died many years earlier, Joe Jackson, father and early manager of the early manager, yeah, from the time they were born. That's pretty early. Early manager of the Jacksons has died at the age of 89. Pancreatic cancer. Yeah, I'm surprised he made it to 89. Yeah, too. I'm shocked actually. Yeah. Did Michael died on uh, the 25th. on Monday? Monday. Two days ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. two days ago was Monday. So he died two days later than the Sunday. Oh, who's in trouble? Oh, Tone. <laughs> Can you wait till the second hour? Are we filled up? Or do you have to get out of here? All right, excellent. Thanks. You look like a biker, by the way. I'd like to point that out. <laughs> a real one. You're supposed to look like a biker. That's a good thing. Thanks a lot. Uh, he came in. He's doing the Gold Star ride yeah. for the veterans. Yeah. yeah, Tony's a good guy, a really good guy. Uh, so yeah, uh, Joe Jackson died uh, after a, after a battle with cancer, as AP confirms. And TMZ first reported, the Jackson family patriarch was born in 1928 and married wife Catherine in 1949. He went on to have 11 children. Why don't you keep it in your pants? Well, yeah, really. Have you ever been to Gary, Indiana? There's oh, not yeah. much else to do there. Oh, oh yeah. And, well, there is, you can get killed. Yeah, that's right. That. That's a scary place. It is a really scary place. It used to be a huge manufacturing town, but right. the government ruined that. Yeah, the government's scary, unions. There. That union down there was so filthy, it was unbelievable. Did he get any of the money? Who? Joe Jackson. Oh, oh yeah. Did he? I think he got paid. Oh, yeah, he got paid big time. He was the manager. He but took, did he get, like, Michael's he, money? And... Well, he took 20%. Even for Mike, even like later in? I, I assume, yeah. I don't know. You know I mean, the usually those contracts, they, you know, get rid of them at a certain point. At a certain point. Then. Renegotiate. Yeah, he and Joe did not get along no, at I all. No, I know that. That's what I'm saying. They didn't yeah. get any money. So maybe. Well, he got some money. He got a lot of money. But I don't know about later on when Michael was setting his hair on fire. <laughs> did you ever see that video? Yeah, it's scary as hell. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's scary. All of a sudden, his head goes up in flames. Like God, <laughs> you know, I, I never Pepsi listened. Was Pepsi commercial. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. It was Pepsi commercial. I never really listened to Michael Jackson back in the day, but mm-hmm. lately I've been listening to like all, most of his stuff. I tell you, it's it's really good. It is really. Good. Oh, it's yeah. really good. Well, Quincy Jones produced a lot but of it, so it, that kind of and, do and it. a lot of it's heavy. Like it's got some heavy riffs in it, some mm-hmm. heavy tones well, to it, like Eddie rock Van, tones. Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen played on uh, "Beat It." Yep. Yeah, it's, and it's pretty heavy. Like it's, some of the yeah, songs are heavy, heavy guitar. Indeed. Yeah. And then there was. And it's pretty timeless. Like it still holds the test of time. With you. Uh, no, you didn't. Yeah, that was not my favorite. It's yeah, me not negative. <laughs> did you like ABC better? I did like ABC. ABC. I've never liked the I Jackson like that, 5. I like that uh, Motown stuff. I, I do, too. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely I want you it. back. That's a, just great a great Motown. Well, that whole time period time period was great. Everything was great then. Yeah, it really it was. was. Mm, very, very true. Yeah, it was like a factory. It was an innocent right, time in America. You guys write them. You teach them how to dance. And you guys sing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly much right. Well, it was an innocent time in America, and everything was... So, in other words, everyone's getting ripped off. Wait a minute. Like Tommy James. <laughs> they were assassinating presidents. It was far from innocent. Well, you know, as far as the general American public, it Morris, was an innocent time. Morris Levy ripped off Tommy James to the tune of $50 million. That's a lot of money. $50 million. We had Tommy on. I talked to him on the phone a couple of times. That's a lot of... Crimson and Clover. Oh, God, here we go. That's a lot of moaning. 15 million is a lot today. Imagine how much it was then. Exactly. Go back then, it was probably like 150. You know, I was talking to Alan Ruck this morning, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about his character as tens of millions of dollars. And I said, I wonder if Jeff Bezos sits at home in his car right now. Listen to this going, who cares? Tens of millions of dollars. Who cares? I'm worth $100 billion, $110 billion now. It's crazy, isn't it? $110 billion. It's more than the country has. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about that. He's richer than the country is. Yeah. The Jackson family patriarch was born in 1928, as we pointed out. His manager, Jackson, launched the career of son Michael Jackson along with, oh, God, that's cold. He launched Michael Jackson's career and maybe Jackie, Jermaine, Marlon, and Tito. <laughs> They're just kind of thrown in at the end. That's, that's terrible. Well, yeah. they haven't had a career in 30 years. Well, that's true. Yeah, for all I know, they're not even alive anymore. 
Oh, I think most of them are, yeah. Yeah, they're uh, all alive. Yeah, they're all, all alive. three of those are alive, yes. Four. Michael's the only one that's Wait, died. Jackie, Jermaine, Mar... What? The only moneymaker. Marlon. Janet. And, and Janet. Janet made a lot of money. And she re- now she's got a real lot of money because she married... Uh, they're all alive. They got divorced, I think. Did they? I think so. <clears throat> Marlon was the dancing as Jackson. No, no. The dancing as right. Jackson would be Michael Marlon. Jackson's the only guy who could dance better than Prince. I, th- I think I'd put him ahead of Marlon. Yeah. I'm telling you. He's a pretty good dancer. No doubt. The Jackson 5 signed with Barry Gordy's Motown Records, and in 1970, their first three singles, I Want You Back, ABC, and The Love You Save, all went number one on the Billboard Hot 100, and Joe got an erection. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Imagine wow. how excited he was. Three oh, yeah. number one hits in the oh, same year. Joe, I thought you were talking about our guest. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about Joe. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Throw me ice. Why don't you? I don't wish to talk to you any longer. You should go away. God, he even his pictures. In his pictures, he looks evil. Yeah, he looks like an. I mean, look at this picture. Oh God, you slimy bastard! Look at that. Actually, yeah, most of the time, most pictures Emperor he's not Palpatine. smiling. No, that's true. Most yeah. of his pictures he's not smiling. He looks that's miserable. Very, very that's true. the first one I've seen him smiling. That's very and you true. can tell it's a fake smile. God, I had a great time on OKQ Morning Show because Greg Coleman, the comedian, came in. And he's oh. the son of Greg Coleman, the punter. Yeah. And so I just thought I'd get it out of the way. I said, so, Greg, uh, I'm glad you came in because your father hates me. <laughs> he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does, though. His dad does not like me at all. Well, the reason was because I said, he got those those spectacles. Yeah. And I said, who you know? And you're like, Gandhi? Is that who you're <laughs> trying to be? He did not find humor in that at all. But Greg Coleman, the kid, is a great guy. Is he related to George he, Foreman? I didn't, I didn't know he was no. a comedian. I think yeah, most politicians a... don't like you. Yeah? Local. Yeah, but <laughs> Greg Coleman's not a politician. He was a punter. Oh, that's, yeah. oh, you're talking about he, the punter. Yeah, he played, yeah. played for the Vikings. I thought you were talking about the politician, you're Coleman. Oh, Chris, Chris Coleman. Chris Coleman. Actually, Chris Coleman likes me, but his brother hated my guts. <laughs> He's a guy who worked for the Star Tribune and uh, oh, the Pioneer yeah. Press. Oh, yeah. he, he just died, unfortunately. Yeah. Did he? 67 years old. Wow. He died. Just like a month I didn't ago. hear that. About a month ago, yeah. That's exactly right. It's too bad because he was a hell of a writer. <laughs> I like this part of his uh, Greg Coleman Sr.'s... Uh, Wikipedia article. Tom's an a-hole. Why would a punter? <laughs> Due to, why would a punter not like you? Due to his in uncharacteristic speed, and then in parentheses for a punter. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I mean, you there you for a punter. He was well. You're pretty good for a punter. It's it's faster than what was the guy from the Dolphins? Marino. Garo you Premier. You ever see that nostalgic sports channel? No. You ever seen that? that? ESPN no. has some nostalgic sports channel. It's all mm. old stuff. Oh, really? Oh, it's great. Why don't they have footage of the first? Um, oh, they do. They have footage Super of everything. Bowl. But I tell you, the other day they had a thing on OJ, all his all his plays, mm. like spectacular plays. I tell you, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, you Didn't... know the last big one. Philip is in because after he gained his 2,000th yard, Philip tackled him. Yep, I, said, I was just going to say it. Couldn't you get him true. before the 2,000 mark? <laughs> there, there's one picture, and I hope they put it on that ESPN channel. A punter is outrunning Philip to the end zone. <laughs> now, I'm assuming he had like a 30-yard head start, yeah, and Philip yeah. almost caught him. But it was looks he a white like guy? He, was he scared? Yes, absolutely. That's why. He's a white guy, so I said, God, how did you get outrun by a white punter? He said, hey, man, he had like 30 yards on me. <laughs> but OJ would run end zone to end zone, man. Oh, we got to take a break here. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Everybody's here Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. 
I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Well, to those wondering during the break... No, there have not been any gay NFL players during play. It amazes me. How about NBA? I doubt that. I strongly doubt that. (laughs) Dennis Rodman. (laughs) He's a switch hitter, I think. They usually come out and uh, after their career ends, that's when they come out. Uh, Oh, well, Jason Collins, he was um, a free agent in the NBA. Oh, and he's still, yeah, the first publicly gay athlete to play in a league. Really? In 2014. Isn't he a twin? I think he's got a twin brother, if I remember right. Uh, God, he's seven feet tall. Jeez. Oh, so is Joe, so what's the difference? Yikes. How seven tall feet tall is tall. Six three. Six three. Uh, seven feet so tall is tall as that seven, door right yeah, there. Yeah, seven feet tall is... Yeah, seven, seven feet tall is getting to the height where it's, like, detrimental you got, Yeah, you to have the, to have a custom-made car. I suppose. Oh, you do? Well, remember yeah, that? Yeah, he was a twin. Was who was also an I NBA thought, player. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Yeah. What is it a James Bond movie where Lurch, they had to take Jaws? the front seat oh, yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, car yeah. and he sat in the back seat and drove the car? <laughs> yeah, that was Jaws. Um, Jaws, yeah, right. That's what they call him. Uh, he was from Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. There you Moonraker, go. Moonraker, that's the one. right. Yeah. And his head sticking out the sunroof, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the most spacious cars that I've ever been in, believe it or not, is a modern Volkswagen Beetle. If you put the seat all the way back, I can't reach the pedals. And you could wear a 10-gallon hat in there and it's still not hit the ceiling. It's like, oh, who built this thing? <laughs> well, Jaws was seven foot two, so. It's a big guy. Wow. You need a little more space, I'm guessing. Yeah, I imagine so. He just died uh, four years ago. He was wow. 74. At 74, really that that's, yeah. And he weighed probably about, what, 400 pounds, I would imagine. <clears throat> he was a big fella. Yeah. Not listed, but. Yeah, he was about 7'2", 400. He was a big fella. Heart okay. attack, which is no surprise at all for someone his height. Well, how about Andre the Giant having a heart attack and dying at his dad's funeral? Did Ooh. he really? Yeah, he did. Oh, that's sad. That's really sad. That's sad. Doug, you ever driven a set in a C-Max? No, I haven't, actually. It's actually pretty roomy. I used to, my mom gave me her Toyota when I started working at Ford. I had to fold myself into that, that thing. I that went over well. Well, they had a foreign lot that we oh, could okay. park in. Ten um, blocks away from the plant. Actually, it was about a mile. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then I went and got my C-Max. I got in, and it's like, this is like a supersized car. And I've got like a foot of room between my head and the wow. ceiling. And then Bill from Louisville got into it, and he goes, wow, this thing's roomy. He goes, I don't hit my head when I get into it. And I looked at him and said, yeah, you know, you're right. It is nice. Yeah. It's like you're sitting in a chair. Really? Yeah. My sister got into it, and I'm looking at her going, God, you look like you're just sitting down. Yeah. And it's really roomy. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing, as a matter of fact. You know, Eddie Trunk is coming up. You guys Eddie Trunk fans? Yeah, I am. Eddie, Eddie Trunk's phenomenal. <laughs> it's called Trunk Fest, his new show. Uh, it's called Trunk Fest. He was on uh, what they have, the metal show. Yeah. yeah with that metal Jim, show. Jim Flor- that metal show with Jim yeah. Florence. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I know he is. Yeah, Eddie Trunk. He's, he'll be a good guest. He's coming up in about 10 minutes, as a matter of fact. So we'll get that taken care well, of. Well, we can take off because Nick will just talk <laughs> the Yeah, you and I can just go Let's wait go out have the a lobby. sandwich or something. That'd be good. That'd be good. Works for me. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Eddie Trunk is a good guest. Jim Florentine's one of my favorite people in the world anyway, because he's a really, really good guy. A lot of people miss that show. Yeah, I don't. why is it not on anymore? I don't know, but a lot of people miss it. It was the last straw. Like, you know, it killed, killed the only thing that metal had left on public television. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Do you think... Um, Insider Magazine just published the 20 most beautiful lakes in the U.S. Do you think any of them are in Minnesota? No. Because there's 15,271 lakes in Minnesota. Okay, I can go through the list. You know, you get those ones that are up in, like, Glacier Park. They're surrounded by mountains. If Mm -hmm. you're just looking at 
pure beauty. It's kind of hard to beat that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess most of them are in Montana. Yeah. Or New England, maybe. Well, you. Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe, be, yeah. It's got to be on that. that place, you ever been on Lake Tahoe? Oh, beautiful. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And seriously, especially uh, at that one place, Cal Neva, where uh, Sam Giancana and Frank Sinatra plotted the murder of Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> That's a really nice place. <laughs> It's a very expensive place, though. Oh, God, you got that right. Incline Village? It is so expensive. It's costs, ridiculous. It costs a little money to stay at Incline Village. But even Village. to go up there and go out to dinner, have drinks, you drop a fortune. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I, I didn't, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Uh... Hotel rooms are like 450 for a crappy <coughs> one. Yeah, I suppose. Oh, this is one of those clickbait stories. Never mind. Yes. Get, go away. Get away from me. <laughs> Or there are 20 beautiful lakes, but we're not going to tell you what they are. Yeah, you are. have to spend the rest of the day to see <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Sorry. You want to talk politics for a minute? Sure. Did you track that uh, uh, primary defeat in New York? Crowley. That was unbelievable. It's not unbelievable at all. I'm telling you what. The, what we're going to end up with in America, and I really hate seeing it coming, we're going to end up with an all-minority Democratic Party and an all-white Republican Party. It's going to be it's really, whites against. I the think minority. you're right because it it's is the terrible. problem for both parties. If you look at the oh yeah, you know the current administration and the the, the people that support them, it's almost all middle-aged white people. And there's yep. Yeah. Well, if yep. you think about it, if you're a minority, why would you try to run for the Republicans when you can get a free seat with the Democrats? Yeah, I, she won, and she had no experience well, at all. She was a bartender last year, right. and the guy she mm. beat had been a, a, what a ten-term congressman, twenty years, and yeah. uh, as a number four guy in the country. <laughs> So about like when Eric Cantor got bumped off by the Tea Party nut in 14. But right, right. I mean, I, it's I was reading about it this morning. I'm like, holy crap. And then I looked at her positions. I'm like, this is not going to help the Democratic Party. No, she's really not. <laughs> she's way out there. She's way out there. Not as far as Maxine Waters, though. Oh, no. she she's way out there. Rest. Explain to me how her husband doesn't work. She makes $117,000 a year. They live in Beverly Hills. And they live in a $5 million house that's not even in Listen, her district. Here's the, here's the, here's the telltale. The that, here's the telltale that she's living the totally privileged life. Mm-hmm. That she, on her speech, she's like, if you see these people out at grocery stores or a restaurant or a gasoline station. Gasoline station. <laughs> at a gasoline station. Nobody, I mean, who would say gasoline station? Yeah. That means she hasn't been to a gas station in 50 years. Uh, probably 50 she years. She hasn't Asked her car in 50 years because somebody else drives mm-hmm. her everywhere she goes. I mean, we talk about it once in a while. Our president right now is a billionaire. Barack Obama's about to become a billionaire. Oh, they're all they're all rich, man. George W. Bush came from a billionaire family. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton is now a billionaire. Yeah. This is not right. The president should not be a billionaire or become a billionaire. Well, Carter wasn't they, a billionaire. Well, Washington was Carter. pretty wealthy. Yeah, so was Jefferson. Oh, they yeah. say by modern standards he was the most wealthy president. Yeah, so. Jefferson, I think, was right up there, too. I think you probably well back then you either had zero dollars or you had you know like you owned five states. I mean Jefferson had houses in different countries. You mean right? Right. Wow, back then. Can you imagine? I'm gonna go to my Europe house. I'll see you in five years. Big big estate in France. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the journey to France from America back then must have been like months. And he yeah. had a million dollar estate then, like way back right, then. It was right. a million dollar estate. Oh God! <laughs> so you, who have we had as presidents that were from? Kind of normal backgrounds. No, I suppose Kenya. Harry S. Truman. Harry S. Truman, yeah. He came he, out of the farms, right? Yeah, he was Jimmy broke Carter, when he left probably. Yeah, Jimmy right. Carter. Well, Jimmy Carter was still a billionaire, though. He was one of the biggest. I don't think he's a billionaire. No, he was. He was, well, he was a he's multi-millionaire a when he became president. He was, yeah. Oh, here we go. Presidents by net worth. Oh, here we go. Now we're talking. Um, there were a lot of them with Lots of less than a million dollars. Really? Uh, is that just in raw my, data? It's not adjusted? It's it's adjusted. Oh, it is. Yeah. So okay. James Buchanan. Yeah, but he ate it all. Oh, well. <laughs> that boy was big, man. You ever see George a wrote a tune about him. Well, I thought that <laughs> was Taft. in the bathtub. Taft, Taft was big, oh, too, right. yeah. Um, Buchanan couldn't fit in the tub at the White House, yep. though. Taft yeah. got stuck. <laughs> yeah, he uh, got stuck. Truman's on here. Yeah, well, under under a million. Yep. Chester A. Arthur, Woodrow Wilson, James Garfield, Ulysses S. Grant, Andrew Johnson. Oh, yeah, Grant didn't have any money so when basically, he became president. Basically all the 1800s ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there have been a good Not amount of... Not many in the 
in the 20th century. Not though. many in the 20th century. Uh, 20th century, the poorest one would Probably be true. Warren G. Harding. Oh, was it? Oh, oh. wait, no. Woodrow Wilson. God, that's surprising. I but he was, was also, a... Woodrow Wilson and Calvin Coolidge, which are the two poorest 20th century ones, were also... 1913 and 1923, yeah. so... Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, uh, well, there's Taft, 1909, Orangey Harding, 1921. So, let me just point something out. What you just told me is there were some presidents worth very little money until there became a federal income tax. Mm. Well, uh... The when did federal was it World War One? They started federal yes. income tax. Yep, okay. it was to support the war, right. but it never went away. That's right. Well, they never <laughs> That's did. That's what I love. The poorest president post nineteen fifties would be Gerald Ford, but he yeah. was worth eight million dollars. Yeah. So okay. it's not exactly poor. Yeah, it's pretty good for a guy who played football without a helmet. Yeah, very very. <laughs> Donald Trump actually like is Gerald the Ford, richest actually. president by a lot. Yeah, like well, as George as, Washington as far is number as we two. Know. Yeah. George Washington's at number two with $580 million. Imagine that. He had that kind of money back then. Well, no, that's in today's no, I mean, dollars. Yeah, I'm but, still, oh, but still, you could. Yeah. You ever been to Mount Vernon? I have. It's really, really interesting. Except the slave quarters make you really sad. Yeah. It's like, God, really? Yeah. I've been to all the Jewish death camps, so it's oh, not as sad God. as that. Well, you know, last right. time I was in Washington, Sarah wanted to go to the Holocaust Museum, and I said, I don't think I can handle that. You know what? You should go. definitely go to that. It is, a, it is so amazing museum. It is one of the nicest uh, no, ones it's there. It's phenomenal. It's one of the nicest ones there. Is it? Yeah, the absolutely. The Holocaust Museum where? In Washington, D.C. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. But I just didn't want to go. Oh, no, it, so if you do go, don't go in the rail car with the kids' shoes. Uh, you don't well, want to go in I went to Auschwitz, and they have, it'll tear you up quick, man. The room full of hair. And the room full of jewelry and teeth yeah. and eyeglasses and Andy's grandfather helped to free Auschwitz. Really? No, it wasn't Auschwitz. It was a concentration camp. Though. I thought it was Auschwitz. Nope. Where was it? I don't know. It was Buchen one of Buchenwald. one of the many. But he was seventeen years old. That had to be a thrill. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I tell you, it's a rough place. And you know, have you ever been to that part of Poland? It is just barren and cold. And yeah, they had a rough life out there. Where is the place in, what's the place in France that's like bombed out and there's just craters everywhere? Hmm. Because there's a place in France like that from World War II where it's just covered in craters to this day because of all the artillery. They just left it, huh? Well, there's a lot of, I mean, all throughout Europe, especially Italy, there's still ruins everywhere from World War II that they just left. Yeah, they did. Japan, there's nothing. They fixed everything. You can't find any signs of war in Japan. But throughout Europe, you can find lots. It's amazing because... Oh, well, it, uh, Normandy, of course. But but, oh, it's, it's about Normandy, yeah. okay. Yeah, specifically, yeah. it's called Pointe du Hoc. Yeah. Uh, Google yeah. that, and then you'll see what I mean. If you Google it and then go to images, yeah, it's crazy. Okay, why don't we... Uh, it's Point? Point du Hoc. How do you spell Hoc? H-O-C. Is that, oh, that's it? House mm-hmm. of Comedy? Thank you very much. House of Comedy. <laughs> Point of House of Comedy. Point to Hulk. All right. There's nothing there. Well, yeah, because it's all bombed <laughs> I mean, there's, out. There's literally nothing there. Well, yeah. artillery far, will do that. As far as land bombing, uh, American and Allies bombing something, we nothing's been bombed more than Japan. Nothing. We bombed Japan like no other place has yeah, ever no, been bombed. No, not about I that. mean, we dropped so many tons on there and just kept bombing the dirt. And then the atomic bomb didn't help. And then, but we helped. But we we paid to rebuild it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we gave them the auto industry. <laughs> yeah. We just handed the auto industry over to the Japanese. Eddie what Trunk is with us. He is. Yup. Eddie, how are you? Hey guys, how are you? Marvelous, Good. marvelous. So we've got a new endeavor, ladies and gentlemen, which I want to talk a lot about. Access TV presents a night of rock with series premiere of Trunk Fest on Sunday, July first. 9.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 Central. So I'm not going to talk anymore, Eddie. I just want to hear all about Trunk Fest. <laughs> well, thanks, man. It's a, it's a cool thing to be doing. It's a, a, a project that uh, Access TV brought to me and asked me if I'd be interested in hosting it. We have more music festivals in America than we've ever had before, and they thought it would be a good chance to show people what goes on at some of these festivals. It's actually... Uh, just as much a travel show as it is about the music it's more about the experience around the festival than it is who's playing it 
So in every episode, I do talk to an artist or two that's playing the festival. But those are just brief interviews. A lot of it is about the extra experiences that go on with these festivals, which has become the big buzz thing. You know, it's become the the big um, the big buzzword has been experience because the festivals there's so many it's so competitive and people want to be able to offer something above and beyond the music so a lot of what trunk fest is is going on that journey with me to find out what those things are what each city what each festival has to offer and of course talking to some of the artists along the way as well god you went to the sturgis motorcycle rally yeah that's the first episode which premieres this sunday and it was my second time ever to Sturgis, and I, I do not ride a motorcycle, but I right, right. got in a sidecar. It was about the best I could do there. And did you spend any time with Jesse James Dupree? I did. I actually. love him. He's a good friend. He's a good friend of mine. Up, what we ended up doing was oh. the, the, the biggest thing people know about Sturgis is the Buffalo Chip, which is the big <laughs> rally point where all the big concerts happen. Right. But Jesse, of course, has the full throttle. Yep. So we went out and we saw him, and uh, we sat and talked to him for a bit, and we checked out the full throttle as well. We will take a very, very quick break, Eddie, and we'll be right back, and the entire 15 minutes is all yours right after this. Eddie Trunk, our special guest, Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow, and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Our very special guest, Eddie Trunk. Access TV presents a night of rock with the series premiere of Trunk Fest on Sunday, July 1st at 9.30 p.m. Central, excuse me, Eastern, 8.30 Central Time. The first episode is going out to Sturgis. I've never been there, Eddie, but I, and I know a lot of people who have gone, and they absolutely loved it. Well, if you're a biker, it's kind of like the Mecca. It's kind of like the trip you have to take. This was actually my second time there. I did a lot of TV for VH1 Classic a number of years ago, and one of the first shoots I ever did around 06 was a special from Sturgis. So this was my second time. It hasn't changed all that much in the in the 12 years since I'd been there. It's pretty much the site and the grounds look pretty much the same, but I'm sure people that go there every year, it's probably just the way they like it. But, yeah, if you're a biker and you ride, I don't. Uh, I'm envious of the people that do. I'd like to learn maybe one day, but the people that ride are into bikes. I mean, it's the the landscape there, the the the, the part of the country. It's just so beautiful. We got to tell you a very quick story, Eddie, uh, and I won't identify the the gang, the bike gang, motorcycle gang. But a friend of mine was out there, and he calls me. He goes, "Man, I just saw something I didn't think I'd ever see in my life." I said, "What was that?" And he goes. One of the bikers in the one of the most well-known, let me put it that way, one of the most well-known biker gangs was arrested. And the local judge thought he'd be, you know, locking things up. So he gave him a $5 million bail. 
The next day, the bike came in and paid it in cash. <laughs> they busted oh, Sonny Barger. Yeah, well, maybe Sonny. Hey, how you doing, man? He had a, that throat thing down. Yeah, they paid his bail of $5 million in cash. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well... I might be selling product or something like that. How did you get started in the music in, in business in the first place? Being such a lover of, of course, metal uh, and all the rest of it. How, how did it all start with you, Eddie? My my whole thing was always rock music. I was always a, a major fan of rock music. And even as a kid in high school, I was just such a rock geek and people knew me for it. I started writing the music news column in the high school newspaper, started doing a little freelance journalism. I started in radio, got my interest in radio right around the time I was in high school, made a demo tape on a local pirate radio station. And then that developed into what a lot of people consider to be one of the first ever radio shows to be a specialty show on metal. Right. And I started that in 83, right out of high school at my local rock station in New Jersey, WDHA. Stayed there for many years. During the years I was there, I also worked in a record store, which was a huge thing for me at the time. And then went to work for a record company, signed some acts, worked in that end of it, and then started in TV in 2002 with VH1 Classic. And Spent years there as a, as a VJ, all the time, always still doing radio. And then um, did VJ interviewing work for them. And then in 08, I developed a show called That Metal Show, yep. which ran for 14 seasons on VH1 Classic. It became the biggest uh, show that the network had. And the only reason why it ended is because the network went off the air a few years ago. And over all that time, I was also doing some things here and there for Access TV. For people that don't know, Access TV is owned by Mark Cuban. Right. It's a very music-intensive network. It has a ton of music content on it. It uh, Sammy Hagar does a show on it, and rather has an interview show on it. And basically, it's, um, it's a great opportunity when they came to me and asked me to do this thing covering festivals. But really, Tom, I mean, my whole, my whole thing has always been music and rock related and the whole drive for me as a kid was not to try to become known as that guy and become popular or famous myself in any way it was really about how can i spread this music that i love and get it looked at respectfully and treated respectfully by other people so you know i just wanted to share it so how do i share it i sell it in a record store i write about it in magazines i play it on the radio i talk about it on tv and, and currently, I have, I'm currently doing uh, seven radio shows a week right now, six live that are talk shows about rock music on satellite radio. So I'm, I'm doing actually more radio now than I've ever done in my career and then throwing in this TV stuff and, of course, you know, some appearances and hosting things that I do. It's just been an incredible ride. It's been, this is my 35th year doing it this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and blessed that I have the opportunities that I do and at the same token I put in a lot of work to get it too. Yeah there's no question about that so the reason I asked you that question in the first place is the same thing I at 14 years old wanted to get into rock radio I got into rock radio at 18 and I've I now been doing it for 48 years it's unbelievable. Wow you got, you got me at uh, you got 13 years on me there pal that's amazing Congrats Yeah, but I, to you. I think there might be an age difference too Eddie I'm pretty sure <laughs> there might be, but well, unless you start, unless you start, well, you just said you started when you were 18, and I started when I was 18, so there you go. You could do even I could figure that. That's out. there's okay. some good math right there, but I, you know, I tend to really like the people that I've met over the because I've pretty much well, you certainly have, and I've met pretty much everybody there's that's been, and in general, there are a couple of wads, but in general, really, really nice people. I I, I like rock people. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fraternity. I really do. I think that, of course, there's competitive stuff, and you know as well as anybody being in radio all the years, you're going to always have that, that, that person or that per that's going to come in the market, and I'm going to take you down, or I'm going to go after you and right. say silly things or just do ridiculous stuff. I, we've all gone through that nonsense. But, I mean, really, for, for me, I think, by and large, I agree with you. I think it's a great fraternity, the rock, the rock people, the radio people in general, I think, you know, if you if you've gone if you've been in it and it's in your blood and you've stuck around a long time like we both have, 
there's the, you absolutely have to respect it because it's a very hard thing to do. It's, it's not a hard, I've never thought it was a hard job. To no, do, no. But it's a hard job to get and it's a hard job to maintain and to survive in, especially in the day and age we are in now with you know, everything going by the way of, of streaming and computers and being yeah, replaced oh, yeah. by computers. No doubt about it. Eddie, one of the greatest quotes I ever heard, and I, I, he may have borrowed it from somewhere else, I don't know, but he said, the only thing wrong with radio is that once a week it's like being a hockey goalie and somebody scores on you and the red light and the horns all honk if you didn't get good ratings. <laughs> you know, it's, kind of, it's been my whole life, though. I had 48 years of waiting for that red light to come on, and thank God so far it, uh, so far, so good. But I'll tell you what, people, this is, this is interesting. People have said this to me a lot of times, like, I'll talk to somebody about any of my radio shows or whatever I'm doing, and they'll say, well, you know, you have any, what are your ratings like? Do you know what your ratings are? And this is the God's honest truth. I have never, in 35 years in radio, found out what my ratings are. And the reason why is because my logic is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. If they suck, they'd fire me. That's true. If they were really good, a lot of times they wouldn't tell me because they'd know I'd want to ask for more money. That's true. Anytime, anytime I brought up ratings to a program director, like, yeah, yeah, you're doing fine. But they never get into the extrapolations and all that. And I was just like, you know what? I got the gig. I'm being taken care of. Okay. If they were bad, they'd be blowing me out the door. And if, and, and you know what? I've survived for 35 years, so somebody must be listening. So I well, kind of kept it simple like that. No, I mean, it's one of those names, Eddie. We saw your name pop up. Because I don't do any, like, pre-show. I don't do any research or any of that stuff. When I walk in, I find out who's going to be on the show that day. And I saw your name, and I was talking to L.A. Nick, who's in studio with us as well. And it's just Eddie Trunk. It's like, oh, yeah, you and Jim Florentine. and uh, You stay in touch with Jim, by the way? Sure. I mean, both Jim and Don, who who, yeah. who were my uh, co-hosts with that metal show, we are still good friends, and I, we still talk, and we still hang out every once in a while. And what happened was when the show when the show died and they killed the channel, we all kind of went back to our comfort zones. Those guys being stand-up comics, they went back hitting it hard in the comedy right. clubs. Me always being radio and and broadcast guy, I went back and. Fortunately, was offered the opportunity to do a daily show on uh, Sirius XM and jumped at that. So, again, I took on a lot more radio, and then all of a sudden this opportunity came to do this TV show. So we're still all friends. We still hang out. We still get together and go to a show every once in a while. But everybody's also kind of scrambling in their respective directions to do what they got to do. Yeah, I see Jim about once a year. He comes to town, and, and I always love seeing him. He's a great guy and speaks very highly yeah. of you, I'll tell you that. He, he really really speaks highly of you which is very cool you know to hear it really is yeah well you know we we people talk to me all the time about that metal show and they talk about like just you know those guys busted my balls a lot on the tv show and a lot of people <laughs> yes. would always think that you know they would think that we had some issue between us and i would i would people would say to me all the time they'd be like man who the hell saddled you with that guy or those guys and I was like, no, the truth of the matter is I got them the gig. <laughs> yeah, know? right. So I brought it upon myself because we knew each other before we were doing the show. We were friends and we're still friends. And I, I what they brought to the show is exactly what they were there to do. So oh, no, I watched it, that, sh- it, it I watched that really show well. all the time. I, I thought it, it, it seemed like you guys were friends, like, like childhood friends, like yeah. friends for your whole lives. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, we weren't. They actually, we actually met for the first time about probably, we were friends for about six, seven years before that metal show ever came to exist. And they were actually listeners of my radio show. And being stand-up comics, you know, my metal show was on late at night, so they would hear it when they got out of gigs. And then they came up to me uh, about, I don't know, about eight years before we started together on TV introduced themselves, said they were fans. I said, hey, you guys ever want to come up and hang out when I'm doing the radio show? If you're truly into the music, feel free. And they did. And they were on my radio show constantly. So when that metal show was pitched, when I pitched that metal show, and they said they wanted me to have a a couple co-hosts, I said, well, listen, I got these guys. They're funny. They'll stir the pot. We'll have a good time together. We're all friends. It could be a really good team, and it was. I mean, it lasted for 14 seasons, and I'm shocked people ask that me another... about the future of that show all the time, man. I, I wish it would come back, but it's out of my hands. I'm shocked that another network didn't offer to pick that show yeah, up. Yeah, me too. I mean, it, 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 even the last season, everybody watched that show. It was like the last stronghold for metalheads. I mean, it was, it was the only thing left. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, we don't. We never say never. As I tell everybody, if somebody offered me the chance to do the show tomorrow, uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. I mean, we're all on board. We all want to do it. It's really hard, though, because we're fans. We love it. We lived it. We breathed it. We were into it. But when you take, when you go outside of the music bubble and you go to the, somebody who runs a network and you say, hey, we want to do this rock talk show with three hosts. Here's what it's going to cost. Here's what we want to do. And here's who some of the people we're going to have on are. They look at you like you're crazy because they, they're not, if you don't live that stuff, you don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not in the mainstream anymore. It's not mainstream music What's anymore. That? It's not in the mainstream music anymore. I mean, you you ask any kid, they don't even know who these bands are anymore. It's 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 sad that it's come that day, but I can see why a TV executive would just be like, uh, no, because yeah. the audience. We, well, we just we just need to we just need to find and the guy who owns it, who is a friend and has been trying. We need to find uh, someone in an executive position who can push the button and say, yeah, I want to do this. I get it. I know this stuff. I know it's important. I mean, we always wanted to evolve with that show, too, and get it, make it a little broader. And that's where we were headed. But, um, you know, we tried. It's not it's not a completely dead issue, but it's been difficult. And in the interim, I'm just lucky that Access came along. And there were a lot of people, if I'm being honest, that said to me, hey, man, Access TV, that's the new place for all the music on TV. How come that metal show didn't go there? And, of course, I talked to them about it. And there was some interest initially. But it's not that cut and dry. VH1 still owns a portion of the show. And there's some stuff that would have to go on to make that happen. I'll tell you what, and, and I'm not just saying this to promote my new show. But if this show that I'm doing that premieres this Sunday pops and gets some traction and people really like it and, and we get renewed, uh, there's a good chance that that would help lead to maybe Access TV, fingers crossed, coming around and saying, yeah, yeah you know what, go call your two buddies and let's go do that again. I mean, it's, not, it's something that's certainly been discussed, but the idea is for them, they wanted to do this show. This show was their idea. I'm thrilled to be doing it. I think it's a fun show. It takes me out of my comfort zone. It puts me into some different situations. And if this goes well and really gets me, gets me entrenched with, with access, then who knows where it goes? Because that metal show came about because I had already been working for VH1 Classic as a host for five years. Sure. So because I was there, I was able to sell it from the inside. Maybe the same thing happens. I can't say what the future holds, but that's what I'm hoping. Wow, well, it's great. Let them know, even though rock's starting to die out, metal music is on the rise. Metal is one of the top-growing f- forms of music in the world. I hope that's true, because I love and it. I, and, I don't think, and I don't think rock's starting to die out. I'm, I'm very encouraged about the future of rock. There's some great young bands out there that I think are just on the bubble of really exploding, and I think that's going to give well, them a right. kick in the ass. So I think we're on the verge of a, of a renaissance, hopefully. Axis TV presents a night of rock with the series premiere of Trunk Fest on Sunday, July 1st at 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central. Eddie Trunk, great talking to you. And, and say hello to Jim for, for me, if you, if you would. I appreciate it. Thank you. I will. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the support. And uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.